Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we talk about a popular TV series five episodes at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm like the bells. I've never been known to mean surrender. Season 8, do you get it? I mean, I'm Alex. And I'm Bran, the Stark who can climb anything. That's a, that's a season one joke. Didn't think of it for a little while. But uh, it's nice to remember where we've come from and go on these little comedy trips down memory lane. <laughs> it was so long ago. Does you know, the, gosh. The little, like, dream so ripple sound effects. <laughs> exactly. Like <laughs> three weeks later. <laughs> uh, I'm Britton. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> this week we are moving on with our uh, Game of Thrones discussion, talking about season two, specifically the back half, the last five episodes of season two. Uh, does anybody have any salient points to get to before we we dive into some IMDb scores here? The official Game of Thrones review mm. website of Here Come the Sequels. <laughs> yeah, I believe immediate. It's improvement yes i mean, I, I believe every rating is uh, has been notarized <laughs> a legal document i believe that you can admit the, the fun- imdb ratings as evidence in a court Correct. investigation <laughs> uh. the funny part was almost immediately after recording the last episode i went to go watch episode six and it was it was almost like they listened to us <laughs> like somehow they reached forward in time and were like oh let's make this interesting yeah. No, I, I liked the the front half more than than y'all did, at least three through sure. five. But yeah, I agree that this each episode, I think, like this is a stronger batch of episodes yeah. as a whole. I think would agree. Um, those episodes are the old gods and the new, a man without honor, the prince of Winterfell, Blackwater, our, our beautiful boy Blackwater, and Valor Margulis. Um, those have <laughs> on IMDb nine point one, eight point nine, eight point eight. 9.7, which is the highest so far and one of the highest of the show. I don't, I haven't looked ahead yet. Um, and then a 9.4 for that 10th episode. Um, our directors this week are David Nutter for the first two. Uh, I mentioned last week that Alan Taylor is the second most prolific Game of Thrones director. He, he directs seven episodes across the entire series. Um, David Nutter directs nine. He is our most prolific wow. director. We will recognize him in many, many episodes to come. Um, the eighth and tenth episode are directed by Alan Taylor. And then episode nine is directed by Neil Marshall of Hellboy fame, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And probably other things. And, and the, the Descent. Descent. He's probably done more legitimate things than the 2019 <laughs> Hellboy reboot. But... Oh, he definitely has. <laughs> He's a very accomplished. <laughs> man. Um, but yeah, uh, the writers we have Vanessa Taylor back for episode six. Uh, George R. R. Martin himself is the writer of Blackwater, and then the other three are D and D, our very best friends. Uh, <laughs> and so yeah, that's that's where we're at. Um, overall, the season has a nine point oh, which is. Uh, one less point tenth of a point than season one. Season one was the average was nine point one. <laughs> I can do math. Um, and uh, yeah, I was kind of surprised to see the seventh and eighth episode get that kind of 
docked, kind of put on the same level as the first half of the season. Because um, I would disagree. <laughs> Who wants to go first with best and worst episode? Alex, you want to jump in? You you usually don't lead. Oh, God. <laughs> well, the, the the problem is that that like I have a hard time differentiating between the episodes. Like that's that's the thing. Like with a movie, I'm like two and a half hours. That's all I'm dealing with. This is like Correct. five hours, <laughs> and each hour is is split up. Like it's it's a lot more difficult for me to try and pick apart in my brain. Um, I mean, I can go. I got my best. Yeah, I can go if you want. If you don't want to, but. No, 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 no. Let's let's leave me on the spot. Let's 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 see how how terrible the, uh, my choices are. Let's let's do this. All right. Uh, I think my best one is going to be Blackwater. Sure. Uh, that that may be the obvious <laughs> kind of fan choice. Um, I think it's just a really really cool um, episode and and battle sequence in the vein of uh, Helm's Deep. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I really like just kind of the cause and the f- effect of each of the actions in the battle. Um, I like the the political aspect of it of, of Joffrey pretending to be at the forefront to try and inspire the troops, and then Cersei calls him back and all that stuff, and everything with Sansa and Cersei just getting drunk and just like <laughs> berating Sansa for every little thing. Um, you know, there's a lovely scene between Sansa and the Hound before he leaves. Um, and then, of course, the ending where, where Charles Dan shows up and he's like, We have won the battle! And I'm like, all right! That's all we needed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I That's probably the obvious go-to um, for best. So I'll just go with that. Um, you know, that episode has some really good character stuff. I mean, I think that that's like the first real character episode for the hound and i think that's yeah. really nice yeah and there's great character stuff uh for 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 cersei and and for Tyrion. and i mean i i really liked all of the stuff in that episode that i mean i liked the battle stuff but i liked all the stuff that wasn't the battle like i, I thought yeah. that they made good use of those scenes sorry i'm just quickly trying to skim through the descriptions for each episode <laughs> We can um, we can vamp about uh, Blackwater if you need time. No, it's fine. I'll, I'll probably just say episode seven, okay. A Man Without Honor. Um, see, I'm trying to remember what happens in that one. <laughs> you gotta have the notes. You gotta you got a journal. Uh, this is basically the Talking Dead. That's that's what we're we're becoming. Here. <laughs> and so you have to oh, you have okay. to be. Is it? Was it Yvette Nicole Brown? Yvette Nicole she, Brown? Yeah, Yvette Nicole always... Brown. Oh, it came with like a full thing. Yeah. yeah, have a journal ready. Good times. So that's what I've been missing this yes. whole time. <laughs> um, I think that one in particular, out of all of these, just kind of look through all the descriptions, it felt most like the first half, where it's just kind of, not necessarily a filler episode, but it's just like, we're just continuing yep. to push stuff along. Nothing super exciting is happening. A lot of it is... um just kind of reactions to what happened in the last episode, particularly on the King's Landing side, because we had the big riot, and Joffrey gets attacked, and Sansa almost gets raped, and, like, all this this crazy stuff. So this one's just kind of like a follow-up to that. Um, and then, I don't know, the, the Theon stuff I, I do appreciate, and I think ultimately it, it pays off, and I, I think it's a lot better than it was earlier, because mm-hmm. all the stuff between him and his family wasn't super compelling, but at the same time I understood why it was there. Um... This, I feel like there are so many scenes of him just kind of standing around Winterfell, being mm-hmm. like, you're going to do as I say, and they're just like, 
you suck, Theon. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Well, I, do, um, I, I do think it pays off the... It, like, takes that stuff with his family and goes, okay, there was a, like you said, there was a reason we did that. And I think it pays right. off especially well in the finale, in this little, that little monologue he has uh, with Maester Lewin. Right. I, I think it's just kind of difficult because his story, and, and spoilers for this, and I, but I think if you kind of understand his character it's kind of obvious where where it's going his is ultimately a retribution or not retribution he's ultimately trying to redeem himself it's a redemption arc right um so it's just kind of hard to stop in the middle of him being like the worst person for me to be like that's compelling drama (laughs) yeah um yeah, I'd probably say that that's the weakest episode, but it was still really good. Um, what happens in this one in Karth? Remind me of that. Uh, this is basically where, I want to say the end of episode five, maybe? is um, It's either the end of episode five or six is where her dragons get taken. Can't remember which one. I think it's I think it's six where they get taken, and then this one, um, this one Daenerys confronts the thirteen. Yep. Oh, and yeah. Zoran Zone Doxas and the, the warlock guy are like, We're in cahoots, let's kill <laughs> yeah. everyone. And I'm like, yeah. what is happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Piet Pre. So yeah, I'd probably say that one. It's it's still a really good episode, and David Nutter continues to you know, he will continue to produce great episodes as the show goes on. Um but yeah, that's that's probably just the weakest by default. Um yeah, that, that segues nicely, because that was also going to be my worst, simply because looking over the episode descriptions, that was the one I remembered the least, like, specifics <laughs> about. Despite also yeah, thinking... Yeah, that's, that's... Yeah, like, that also, it's a good episode of TV that I enjoyed yep. and liked. It just had the fewest things that I was like, oh, that's awesome. Um, obviously, episode six does have the attempted assault on Sansa, and, you know, I, 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 I've, I've said in the last episode I detailed my thoughts on Sansa. So I'll just say I look forward to the day when she is not put through terrible things just to show that Tyrion or the Hound can also be heroic. Like, sure. I, do, I did like seeing the Hound be heroic, and I always love seeing Tyrion. But it's like, they're so, they're, come on. Um, but, uh, and then in episode eight, I didn't like watching a horse defecate on the floor. <laughs> I didn't like seeing that. Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting choice. I, I want to know whose idea that was. Is that, yeah. is that in the book, Tyler? I, Do you remember that, that specific I don't moment? know that it was a George R. R. Martin idea. It very well could be a George R. R. Martin idea, I feel. I believe that episode was actually a, um, a, uh, uh, Clive Barker-esque, uh, POV chapter. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, that was gross. But then it did lead to a really awesome shot of Charles Dance riding a horse into a throne room, which was amazing. Um, uh, if only someone could ride a horse up some stairs. So I think that that stuff was there. But my best episode, I am, uh, I liked them all. I'm probably going to go with the finale. I really, really liked it. I, I think that, and maybe I'm I'm picking it because I don't know. Um, well, I don't know. Like I said I liked all the episodes, but I think the final one, uh, Valar Morghulis, did a really good job of rising tension for yeah. for season three. Season one's finale is kind of a cool off from this really intense penultimate episode, 
and the bit and there is like setup of like oh Arya's heading to the wall I guess John's going into the forest but the big thing is there are dragons now so it's more like oh that's really cool and exciting but this episode is literally Arya's made an assassin friend um, <laughs> John's about to meet Mance Raider there are ice zombies and we see white walkers and we see the whites um, which is that's fantastic like I loved that that bit on the end um, all the threats on Sansa because Joffrey's Mary and Marjorie, uh, the stuff with Talisa, like all of that I found not only really good as like a way to close out the season, but a good way to go. And this is what we have to look, this is what's yeah. coming in a, in a more specific way that I thought was like re- really genuinely exciting. And uh, I, I also think that if, this, this whole season I think has been really great for a lot of the actors. Like I think Alfie Allen is really good in this season rising from season one. I think Tyrion is better in this season. Mm. I mean, Peter Dinklage is always good, but I I mentioned this in the last episode. I think that because Tyrion is just in King's Landing, we get to really build those relationships with different characters. And I love watching him. Like I loved the scene in this episode where with him and Varys, when Varys is like, Hey, you're not the hand anymore, but like, we're all really grateful to you for what you did. And I know that doesn't count. And he gives him a little bow. Like that's wonderful. And all the stuff with Podrick is great. But I also, mm-hmm. I, I really liked in this season, as kind of milk toast as Daenerys' story was, I think Amelia Clark was a lot better in this season. Yeah. Like, I liked that they let her use her whole face <laughs> to emote. Sure. She got to use her eyebrows. Like, I remember there being some kind of funny I, stuff when she was first talking to the 13 outside of Karth. I thought that was all pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think... But I largely... I was just going to say, I think sometimes she does give in to the... Uh, what what Alex will often call uh, acting is or shouting is drama. Um, she does no, she does. Which she which does. is is liberally taken from a letter okay. media. So don't, sure don't, don't 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 give me that credit. <laughs> but I, but I, I, th- I think that is a, a valid stand. I mean, Ebert uh, once said that I think he was talking about the Oscars when uh, Natalie Portman was nominated and of course won for Black Swan. He said. She's great in this movie, but I think a lot of people vote for her because she's, like, there's the most, like, external, like, crying yeah. and screaming. And people go, ooh, that's great acting. Which it can be, absolutely. But that's not all it takes to be a great actor. Um, and none of this is to, to drag on Amelia Clark. Like, I think she's good on I, the show. I think she she continues to improve throughout. Yeah. I feel like And I think that season, also basically. her material is kind of, like, that's yeah. what she has to do, you know? In this season, there's not a whole lot of internal conflict. It's, I'm mad because of my dragons aren't here. But I do like that this season, and season one too, but really this one really uh, uh, hit me with like, her her emotions are justified and her desire for justice is justified, but she has a temper and it flares a lot. We're like, that outside Karth, they're like, eh, we don't think we're going to let you in. And she's like... I'm I'm gonna destroy your whole town if you don't let me. I'm gonna burn you up. But then in this episode, when she locks Dorea and Zaro in the place to starve to death, like that's so psychopathic. We need like, to at some yeah. point we have to acknowledge that she does tend to react to problems by being like, "I'm going to burn someone alive." Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting comparing how she treats them to taking care of the warlock. Because the warlock, when she yeah. orders the dragons to burn him, that is purely self-defense. Like, that is yeah. her only way out of the situation. Absolutely. So, okay, 
it, it's extreme, but but I think it's justifiable. <laughs> but that other one is just like, oh, this is poetic. Watch what I'm gonna do to them. <laughs> yeah, that's what it came off as. It's very like, um, and again, I like Daenerys, and 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 they, it was very extreme, but in a way that I think is supposed to be like a character thing. Like, hey, what's with this lady? She's great, but also, yeah. hmm, <laughs> a little um, vengeful so there. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, so I, I went off on a bit of a tangent there. But basically, what I, I, I think that season eight wrapped up that those five really dynamic episodes with a finale that was was dynamic and made me really excited to watch yeah. the next season, uh, which is which I think the season, first season did as well. But the, the finale of season one was more of a cool down, and this was okay, okay. Here's what's coming. <laughs> so yeah, Tyler. Um, I'm going to shift slightly and say my worst episode was season eight or season eight. <laughs> I said it on, I said it on audio. You can, you can cut that Alex. I'm sorry. Uh, and, and paste it in front of whenever I pray season eight, when we get there. Um, yeah. They, uh, our, my worst episode was episode eight. Um, not because I have any real justification for it other than, like, <laughs> I liked the episodes more, the other episodes more. Um, yeah. I thought all of these... I felt like this was the strongest set of episodes we've talked about so far. Um, I think so. I think so. And uh, compared to the last one, I felt like was weaker than either of the season two parts, or season one parts. Uh, numbers are fun. Um, this particular one set, I think, really redeemed season two in my eyes. Um, and mm. episode eight, I'm just choosing because... Uh, I feel like there are a few pacing things that I want to get into about Blackwater being the focal point of the season that I don't know that they handled as well as they could have. Um, and I think some of that comes to light in season eight or in <laughs> episode eight, <laughs> specifically because uh, the like end of that episode is Bran is in the crypts. And it's like, oh, Bran, Bran's okay. Like, you know, cool, big, big reveal. But it kind of feels like that should be a lead-in to Blackwater. It feels like we should have some sort mm -hmm. of a push. And I felt like that did this season did that a few times. I didn't mention it last time, but there was one uh, cliffhanger that was um, all of Robert's bastards being tracked down. And so, like, it, the episode ended, I think this was episode one, maybe, uh, ended with uh, this big ominous, like, oh, the gold cloaks, they're going after Gendry. And it's like, we don't really know Gendry that well to begin yeah. with and you're also like making this as if it's a it, it feels like you're making this you know the the white walkers marching across uh right. the waist towards <laughs> sam and so i felt like there were a few times this season did that where they kind of played up a, a big moment that didn't actually need to be that big in the grand scheme of things um mm. but then with well even I, I just wanted to add on to that. The the scene with Bran in particular learning he's alive, it's not just that. It's him overhearing the discussion that the farmer's boys were the yeah. ones that were killed by Theon. So, and there's there's no... Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think that's brought up ever again. For, for Bran, like in his journey. Oh, yeah. I don't think so. Like, I don't think that's... It's played as like a super impactful moment that's going to bother him for a while right, and right. i don't think it actually yeah. does it so. might um but i yeah it's not i don't think it's like a big character defining moment necessarily um and uh i felt like blackwater in general it felt like all of the build-up to that was in these episodes 
which I just felt, found really strange uh, because it, it, it seems like this is the episode or Blackwater's the episode where all the budget that they could was siphoned into this. And it was like, we, we got to make this, you know, a showstopper. It's got to be amazing. Right. Um, and I felt like if, if you were going to do that, if you're going to put all your eggs in one basket, wouldn't you want to like see that more? And they mentioned that they're kind mm-hmm. of like Stannis is talking about building his armies. You know, there's some preparing for, but I don't think the show really hits you with the impact of like, oh, they, Stannis is marching on King's Landing until like around these episodes. And I know part of that's because there's also the Rinley conflict to deal with. I don't know how much more they could have played it up without it being like obnoxious, I guess. Um, but I think there could have been more to be like, hey, you guys, there, there's a big old conflict brew and something's going to happen. And then get that to you know drag people along more and and pull people in more yeah it's interesting how how we complained that the slow pacing was what hurt a lot of the first five episodes and so if you had condensed a lot of the storyline in those five episodes and you could make room for more of a build-up to blackwater and having it feel like a much more momentous event i get what you're saying um it didn't really bother me all that much, um, mostly because we do have that Renly stuff. Sure. Like it's kind of just like one thing leads to another, leads to another. Okay, now we're hitting Blackwater. Um, but yeah, I, I I think the pacing of the first five episodes does end up affecting this yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um. That being said, I a couple episodes back was like I don't know how I feel about uh, Blackwater. I feel like it might be a little overrated. Uh, in the eyes of the, the audience and everything, um, I was wrong. It's it's great. It's so good. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, man, uh, I must have just been like tired and not paying attention when I had watched it, rewatched it for uh, season eight because it's I was like completely engrossed the entire time. Um, it's it's brilliant. There's like we talked about. There's a ton of character stuff. Um, there's some great stuff with Braun and the Hound that I had forgotten about. Uh, where they're sure. they're bickering and and then Bronn ends up saving him on the battlefield. Well, that doesn't that doesn't come back. I'm I'm, I'm speaking too far ahead. I don't think they interact all that much for the rest of the show. I right? don't think so. I think it's just more of like they happen to they have very conflicting personalities and they happen to right combine in this episode and have to like bounce off each other. Um, yeah. The there's a ton of great effects. I mean the the wildfire explosion yeah. for one is gorgeous and, and insane and lovely. Um, but then also the, uh, <laughs> there's, there's a ton of wonderful, ridiculous, uh, like gory practical effects. Uh, yeah. the hound cuts multiple people in half in various ways. He, uh, there's he's, somebody he's gets... basically, uh, he's basically Geralt of Rivia yes. in, in this episode, <laughs> like just creative. Like he gets one guy diagonally down his chest, <laughs> like, yep. A lot, of, um, a lot of Witcher finishers. Yes. Uh, there's also uh, a guy who gets his head squished by a rock. Um, yeah. Somebody gets like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really appreciated that just because I... I, I, I don't know. The, the look on Stannis' <laughs> face with... like He's just like blood spattered on it. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> like this is real. We're actually in this, aren't we? Um there's a guy who gets uh, his his skull like cut in half, like he gets the top of his skull oh. chopped off, and it's very gross. Oh yeah, oh that's um, so gross. Yeah. There's a guy who gets his leg. I was m- m- making note of these because I was like, wow, this is ac- these are like really good effects. Um, they are incredibly <laughs> disgusting. There's a guy who I think Tyrion chops a guy's leg off, and he falls over. 
Um, or somebody does. I, I don't so. remember exactly who does it, but uh, somebody chops the guy's leg off like at the knee, and then the guy just like stumbles and falls over, and then gets stabbed. Um, and then Tyrion's wound that he gets is very like yeah, just a very good effect. Um, yeah. Well, and Podrick like stabs Mandon more yeah. through the back of his helmet. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, Tyler, quick question. So in, in the book, Tyrion actually gets, like, his nose yes. cut he off. Loses his correct? nose, yes. yeah. He's supposed okay. to be even more, like, uh, un- impossible to love. <laughs> uh, because right. he's so like, And I, I do realize that that would have been a difficult effect. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. That's just, like, one more thing to add on to the budget for all of the remaining seasons. Yeah. Um yeah. Oh no! He, yeah, that's, that's interesting be... that they kind of just go for the Kylo Ren sure. cut across the face <laughs> instead. Yeah, he's supposed to be like deformed in the show. Like yeah. even before that, it's kind of like on Walking Dead when um they didn't have Rick lose his hand because they were like Andrew Ling is going to have to not have a hand for like the rest of this. <laughs> so maybe we can just funny you mentioned not that. do that. Uh... <laughs> yeah, Sh- that's a good that's a good point. Shows the difference in budgets, I guess. Um... And gold. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they told Nikolai Kosterwaldu, they were like, hey, um, if you if if you let us cut off your hand, we'll stick a gold one on there, and then at the end of the show, you'll get to sell it. And so then you can make <laughs> it. And he was like, oh, I'm all about investing wisely, so sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, da- um, we Danes love gold. <laughs> like you mentioned, Britain, the Hound gets good character <laughs> stuff in general. He is, I think probably my favorite yeah. character on the show uh rory mccann oh, wow. is, is so good i i adore the hound and um the like way he's just like ah oh, yes there's a lot of fire and for that reason i'm out is <laughs> so like he just yeah. bolts um there's a great bit where sansa when he's talking to sansa she has uh the doll that ned gave her that i had forgotten about um and and she's like yes. looking at it and kind of looking at it sweetly, and it's very impactful. Um, yeah, it's an ugly doll too. It's a very ugly doll. <laughs> Ned, look, he... Ned tried. Okay. Oh no! For um, sure. Uh, I was trying to think if, if there's anything else that I wanted to mention right now. Uh, I felt like a little bit earlier on, I wasn't getting the full scale once they kind of land on the beach. Um, but I think they do a good job of sprinkling in some wider army shots, just a couple of like establishing things when, like when, uh, Stannis's army is, is rushing up, uh, after Tyrion, uh, sends out his charge and takes out the battering ram, a bunch more guys show up Mm. and then obviously Tywin's army shows up. Uh, so I felt like there was a little bit, uh, more going on there than I was originally thinking or remembering in terms of how big it looks. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I was impressed by how much the production value still shows uh, in yeah. this in that episode. Um, there's a bunch of great lines in there. There is one line where uh, Tyrion is talking to Joffrey and the Hound and Lancel, and Joffrey says, "Like uh, Hound, tell Tyrion that blah blah blah." And Tyrion's like, oh, "Lancel, yeah. tell the Hound to tell <laughs> Joffrey." Um, and it's it's really funny because then Lancel starts trying to do it. I thought it was a really funny joke. I just want to point out that joke was written by George R. R. Martin. The episode was written by George R. R. Martin. If that joke had been in season eight, people would have te- torn it apart and said it was cliche and bad and <laughs> terrible. I just like that was immediately one of those things where I was like, oh, that's something that people would never have let slide <laughs> if they were using the sure. same scrutiny 
as they were in the first <laughs> seasons or the last few seasons. Um, but yeah, yeah. I thought that was a great joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I mean, I just in general, I feel like this is a funny season, and I know like it's because we get a lot of scenes of like Tyrion, but like there's that scene with Tyrion and Bronn and Varys, which is a, a, a great thing. It's like basically a, a, a comedy sketch, mm-hmm. like. Tyrion and Bronn trying to figure out how to pronounce, like, this maester's name. Yeah. And he's like, Shavalafathen, Shanavalata. And and Bronn's like, Shavaltish. And then Varys comes in and pronounces it kind of like uh, Tyrion did. And Tyrion looks at Bronn like, mm, right? See? <laughs> Just, he is so funny on this show. And, and all, like, the stuff with Cersei and Sansa in Blackwater is frustrating, but also... It is pretty funny, <laughs> like so because she'll just be like Sansa, come here. Um, yeah, that that episode is very clear that ne- that Neil Marshall directed it. It's like nope, there's blood and gore and dr- drunk <laughs> acting. Just do it. Drink, Sansa. I'm not thirsty. I'm not handing you water. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> and then the hound spitting out yeah. and freaking out at the when one of the. Uh, soldiers gives him water to drink, and he's like, "I want wine. Yeah. What are you? What? <laughs> I don't want water." And then he just starts chugging yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Um, any particular broad points people want to get into? Uh, the Jon Snow stuff is mildly more interesting, but it's still super boring. <laughs> See, I felt one thing that really struck me is that I thought that I realized that him and Egret have really good ch- chemistry. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a reason for that. Sure. <laughs> but like, uh, I'm, uh, at this point, even like their yeah, their yeah, initial yeah. dialogues and like that entire scene where he's trying to execute her and he can't bring himself to do it. That's all great. It's it's snappy yeah. and yeah. fun and uh, continues to establish these characters. There's a great bit. Uh, I forget which episode it's in. I think maybe seven. Yeah, where. Uh, Egret is telling him, like, you could just leave. You could just go and, and have a cabin and, and, you know, hunt your yeah. own food. I can show you. Like, you could just stop now. And you can tell Johnson, like, that sounds so good. Oh, my gosh. I <laughs> yeah. really want that. I can't do it. <laughs> it's very, like, dad well, vibes. This is, um, so, so, so this is a good time for me to ask this, to clarify this. So, so he, John and Corrin Halfhand are captured by the Wildlings. Yes. And then John and Egret are off on their own, but they are recaptured. Yeah, that's when they're captured by the Wildlings. Mm-hmm. But then there are two fights between John and Corrin. The first one I took as trickery is the because then John kills Corrin. Yeah, I. So, they're both they're both yes. tricks. The first the first one is is to establish for the group of Wildlings that there is tension between Corrin Halfhand yeah. and Jon Snow. Okay. That way, when the second one happens and John actually kills him, then they're immediately like, "Okay, he's on our Corrin side." Corin is trying to okay. get so, the Wildlings to trust John. Okay, yes, to, probably because he knows get John close to Mance. Yeah, right probably because he knows that they will never trust him. <laughs> so he's like, "Okay, okay, gotcha." I I did also Clarified. love that the series ends with, or the season ends with, um, Egret being like, "Time to meet Mance Raider," and it's like, in the next season, mm-hmm. so we can cast a prestige <laughs> yeah. actor. Exactly. I, I prefer that. Oh no, it's over, fine. It's just we we have a stand-in. Look at this guy. It's clearly not <laughs> going to be the same actor next season, yeah. which they will later do in this sure. show. <laughs> um, 
Oh, wow, look at my beautiful dragons. Is that Tom Hanks? <laughs> no, no, it's a real dragon. He was just there for that day. <laughs> um, uh, so, wildlings. Oh, so, so now the whites at the end, when they, they, they march past Sam, right? Like the yeah. White Walker, look, he makes like a... What, do we that, know why he doesn't? That mess was a with weird Sam? shot. I did not realize this until I was watching it this time. Because the the White Walker looks down, and Sam's there, and it seems like he's yeah. making eye contact with Sam. But then we jump back out, and we're, we're we've got a wide shot of all the White Walkers walking behind around the white or all the whites walking around the White Walker. Um, yeah, and it looks like the rock that Sam's on is still in front of the White Walker. And right, I was yeah. very confused by that. I, I didn't know what the idea was there i don't know if that was because i thought this was like the white walker looking at sam and being like nah and i think (laughs) that's what the idea is but it seemed like there was some weird they didn't quite establish (laughs) who was looking where interesting um now the whites have to be animated by the white walkers correct yes it's not like if you die in the north there's just something in the air that turns you into a zombie right it's it's white walker okay Associated, it, it dives into that okay. a little bit more as we as the series goes on. So okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, good to know. Yeah, but yeah, I I, I agree. Like the John stuff was definitely better this season because like you had the stuff with Craster and Egret and and like stuff seems to happen. He yeah. wasn't just at me and Hogwarts the whole time. <laughs> but uh, but that said, I I I also liked all of the stuff with Sam and Ed and Gren mm-hmm. when they like find the obelisk and they find the dragon glass like that's a nice setup and, um they definitely yeah, get... like i thought all that. and I, I like that sam will just go i knew another thing about gilly that's so interesting <laughs> <laughs> they definitely uh ed and and grin and uh i don't think pip's with them during all of this pip is not no. uh, but ed and grin is specifically i did not realize they got so much screen time um, which makes me happy yeah so like in these early kind of seasons we're really building them um, what was I going to say? The Also, another storyline that I think gets much improved here is Brant's, combined yeah. with uh, Theon's, specifically. Like, the fact that you put those two together immediately makes both of them more interesting. <laughs> um, where you've yeah. got Theon kind yeah. of uh, lording over him and insulting him, and then they're trying to escape, and then Theon's trying to hold Winterfell, and he's also trying to find them. there's just so much more interesting stuff going on because it's two characters that we care about interacting with each other and we're not trying to like introduce ancillary people we're we're just kind of establishing that oh hey both of these characters are kind of in danger one of them is doing it is just digging themselves a bigger hole and one of them is just trying to not get caught in the (laughs) the crossfire here um and so i really like that i think that makes it and especially the fact that we get maester lewin uh working both Mm -hmm. sides and and uh being kind of forced to serve Theon when he's still trying to help Brandon Rickon. Uh, it's, all, it's all great. And his final sh- scene with uh, Brandon Rickon oh, and Asha is God. is so good. Um, his reaction yeah. to the... It, Donald Sumter, right? Mm-hmm. Which I remember only because you brought him up multiple times, Britton, <laughs> which is fair. Yeah, because he's, he's like one of my favorite characters on the show. He's so good. Um, he has this, this gut-wrenching reaction when he sees the boys' bodies burned. Yeah, uh, hanging from Winterfell, which is I think mm-hmm. the end of one of the episodes, and it's just like, oh god. <laughs> yes, yeah, because it's it's the next one where he sees Osha, 
like stealing some food. And then they have the shot where, because in the in the book he finds out like immediately, because they bring the bodies and he's like looking at them and he sees the legs, the leg tendons aren't damaged, mm-hmm. um, so he knows it's not Bran. But in this, they just prolong that. But then you see like the shot of the leg and him behind it going, hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all, all of uh, I, I really love when Theon first <laughs> they first show Theon going into the into Bran's bedchamber, and he's like, "I've taken Winterfell." And Bran just kind of looks at him like, "What?" <laughs> like Theon, the, the, the complete lack of intimidation yeah. <laughs> from Bran is so funny that he's like, "What are you, what are you doing?" And I thought it would be really funny if Bran just took out a crossbow and just like shot him. <laughs> just like, "Shut up, Theon." <laughs> but I really, I'm oh, sorry. It, they manage to mine a lot of both. I think I think they they do really well with Theon's character in these five episodes because they do a great job of showing how ineffectual Theon is, but how that is he is dangerous because he's so desperate to make people intimidated. He'll just behead Roderick just be just for yeah any reason. And also he's bad at it, and which is great. He, yeah. Oh God, yeah. he has to kick off his head at one point. Um, I do love when Roderick says to Bran, like, don't worry, I'm going to see your father. Like, I loved that. Um, but I just found, like, all of it really, really effective how he's just... All of his scariest ideas he gets from Dagmer Cleftjaw. Yeah. <laughs> Real character name. Played by Ralph Innocent of the Vavitch. And um, all of that is 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 really good. Because Theon is not cut out for this. Like, he's not good at this. No one's scared of him. And no, but, but but that's he he is still willing to do whatever to make people afraid of him, and then like when Yara shows up and she's you know talking down to him and all this, I, I thought all of that was was really nice. And in the book, all of this is like rearranged where like Ramsey shows up a lot sooner in mm-hmm. disguise. And then Ramsey's behind a lot, of, like a lot of the stuff that the Ironborn do in in these last episodes. Ramsey's men do in the book, and like like they're the ones that killed Maester Lewin. And Jojen and Mira are already here in the books. Like they joined like way before there was ever a problem. <laughs> they yeah. were just like warded at Winterfell just to like hang out there. Mm-hmm. And like hmm. when they leave, Rickon, Osha, and Shaggy Dog like split off from Bran and them, and they go to like Skagos. They go somewhere mm-hmm. else completely. Um, so it's, 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 it was really interesting. Um, but I, I think in this case it works for like streamlining purposes. Speaking of, uh, uh of Ramsey, I was really fascinated. It, it, this show does a great job when you're, of when you're rewatching it, realizing that like, it just told you things that you did not pick up on. Sure. And then later you were like, oh my gosh, what? Because you didn't like, there's too much dialogue and information coming at you initially to pick it up. But there's yeah. a part where, where Bruce Bolton is like, Hey, let me send my uh, my bastard to go take out uh, Theon of Winterfell, and he, he asks Rob that, and like that is in these episodes. Roose Bolton yeah. says that to Rob, but then like in season three, I remember watching that for the first time and being really confused as to who Ramsey was, and like, oh, is this like a you know who? Because they try and kind of hide his. At least Theon has no idea who he is, and so from right. the viewer perspective, you kind of don't know who he is either, but. In actuality, they've told you <laughs> who would have like yeah. gone after uh, the Winterfell. So I don't know. I, I thought that was really interesting. Without going too far into seasons three and 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 so on, Roose is in on this stuff 
from the start, right? Or does Roos get in on some 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 nefarious, nefarious doings? <laughs> yeah, is that later or is he already? Like, I don't know what the implication I'm a bad is guy. necessarily. I don't know if we know for sure when. Okay. Uh, it seems okay. like he's always kind of uh, aspiring to uh, move up, <laughs> but uh, I don't know if we know for sure when okay. when he made. Because that was a thought I had. Watching and I think uh, Michael McElhatton is is quite good mm-hmm. in in this show. I, I really like him as an actor. But yeah, I, I, watching this, I was like, okay, he keeps mentioning like flaying, and he's all into flaying and torturing people. <laughs> and Rob's just not having any of it. So like, I don't. And I I know things obviously from later, but I I can't tell if this is the show being like, hmm, Roos, keep an eye on this guy, or if it's that's all to yeah. come. Um. It's also okay. it's really fascinating to watch them just sort of insert Roos and Podrick into the narrative and like characters like sure. that who eventually you will come to either love or hate. They're just there. <laughs> like they just start showing up and it's like, yeah. oh yeah, this is they're, they're important now. Uh, <laughs> well, even like uh, the the Terrells, like yeah. Loras in season one and Marjorie in this one, they're like, yep, here they are. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it does yeah, a pretty good yeah. job of getting you used to these characters existing before it really does anything with them. And then by the time things happen with them, you care. Uh, it's, yeah. it's quite neat. I like how um, the, this season in the last episode, especially we, we talked about this with the phrase, but when, when um, Jamie and Brienne come upon those, those three Northern soldiers who had massacred those women, it's like, it was. It, it, it's. It's good that the show reminds you, like, oh yeah, there. There are bad guys in the north. Like, yeah. Th- this yeah. is a. This is a war, which means because up until that point, except for the phrase, like all of the northern armies we've seen, we've like the north is for all intents and purposes the good guys, so to speak. Mm-hmm. They were like, yeah, the north. That's the Starks, and we like the Starks, and we want the Starks to win, and we like the north because the and the Starks are the good are good guys. And then it's done a really good job of being like, hey, in the, the King's Landing, like, they're not all bad. Like, Tyrion's pretty great. And, mm-hmm. you know, we like uh, we like Varys. And, yeah, there's, there, there's some decent-hearted people down there. And, you know, some, some dubiousness, some shades of gray. But then in the but here it's nice to see, like, oh, they're not just on the other side from Jamie and Brienne. Like, they're bad people. <laughs> like, And we'll see that even more, obviously, in the upcoming season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I like that Martin and, and the show both went to the lengths to show like yeah this is there are bad and good people in both places <laughs> there are <laughs> heroes on both sides um, yeah like the chimp blacksmith in rise of skywalker like correct. he was a really good guy and i like that they reminded us of, <laughs> of that um, <laughs> speaking of of brienne just massacring these three northerners who had no idea what they were doing um yeah I t- complained kind of a, on the last episode about how the show hadn't really figured out like power scales <laughs> almost in uh-huh. uh, up to that point. These episodes I think do a much better job establishing like oh these are the the characters who are really good at fighting and you you should you know know that when they mm-hmm. get into a, if, into a fight it's going to be a big deal because um, like yeah. I was talking about the Hound just like destroying people in Blackwater and Brienne doing that to the Northerners. Yeah. Um, I think the mountain looks a lot more intimidating in these episodes. I was talking about how they kind of yeah. didn't seem to take advantage of the fact that Ian White is like seven feet tall. Uh, and I think these episodes do a much better job. Uh, he has some like conversations with Tywin and stuff that are like, oh, he's mm. this this dude's big and imposing and 
and uh, you should watch out for him. Um, I also, I had forgotten, apparently he is actually, a couple things about mountain actors, actually, I'm going to, deep dive. Uh, (laughs) Ian White apparently is actually, he plays the White Walker in the first episode of the show. Mm, Um, Interesting. And he he plays a couple of other White Walkers, I think maybe some of the ones in this season. Um, And then he'll actually play some giants later on. Yeah. Um, And so, like, he is uh, actually, like, I guess just used for a lot of various uh, tall things, <laughs> like things that need to look <laughs> taller than human uh, and, and proportioned yeah. out for that. So uh, I thought that was neat and good for him. Um, he, um, I, I was looking up Neil Marshall's filmography and he's got a movie that he has made. I don't know if it's come out yet, but called The Reckoning. And it features Ian White as the devil. Ooh. <laughs> so <laughs> sounds yeah, good. that sounds awesome. Uh, I don't know really what the movie's about, but I know it has that. So that's awesome. The The other thing was uh, I mentioned last episode that the mountain got recast, and I thought it was because of illness reasons. That was actually mm. uh, that guy, I think, just got recast for scheduling conflicts. Uh, I think his name oh, was okay. Conan Stevens. I'm going to not correct that. I don't know. Um, that's that's a great name, regardless. Sure, uh, <laughs> but then I was actually thinking of Ellen Payne's actor, who I I don't believe we see Ellen Payne past this season. Um, okay, came down came down with uh, got cancer, and his name is mm. Wilco Johnson. Um, but apparently he's gotcha. doing fine now. He's been he, they they treated okay, him and, and he's he's going strong. He's like seventy three, and I'm like good for him. I wanted to mention I mean, that he's an he's an intimidating looking yeah. dude. Apparently he's like a musician, yeah. and they just. They were like, we need oh, wow. someone who you don't have to act; you just have to like have have menacing stares. And he was like, "I can do that." Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's, what they did. <laughs> that's awesome. And then they were like, "What other musicians can be on this show?" Hmm. <laughs> we'll get we'll get Alan Taylor's son, James Taylor, to come in Sting. and play a bard. <laughs> I've seen fire and I've seen ice. <laughs> I've seen summer days. Um, real quick, does Dagmar Cleftjaw come back, or is he done? I was trying to remember that. I don't remember if they address like what happens to him in the next. Dagmar Cleftjaw, can you use it in a <laughs> sentence, please? Yeah, Dagmar Cleftjaw is a name that a person wrote down with their heart and hands. Etymology, poured uh, before. Have we already discussed this character? Am I, am I he's, forgetting? He's the, uh, he is a, the devil on yeah. Theon's shoulder he, in Winterfell. Yeah, the one who keeps being like, they're not scared of you. You have to kill that man. <laughs> oh, didn't they? I thought the implication was that all of them just died. I think that is, but I don't well, know if they like... I don't know if they actually, if that happens off screen or if we, we get to see yeah. their Because the last we see of him is after Theon gives his really good speech about defending Winterfell and then he knocks him unconscious and then he's like yeah. it was a good speech and then they I, I'm pretty sure the idea is just like we don't see his body but I don't think we see him gotcha. again I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's just like hey we're gonna we're gonna go surrender and yeah. everything will be fine cut to the place is burned down and there are corpses yeah. everywhere and, and I guess the implication of that is that because I, I think that Bran and Rickon think that the Ironborn burned it down but it's that Ramsey's guys burned it down right uh, yes. yes that's okay. the implication Okay, cool. So much going on. There's really, guys, it's such a huge scale, but on such a human level. You know? I In know. Way. It's, it's really just an honor to be a part of it. Um. 
Uh, do we want to talk about Jamie? He has a lovely conversation with one of his cousins, and then he <laughs> kills him. Nikolai Kosterwald, that was a very good actor, and he's really good in this show. <laughs> yes. And then I, I I just love that we go ahead and start the, the relationship with him and Brienne. Like, yeah. It's... it's 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 interesting to parallel that with uh, Egret and John in terms of escorting mm-hmm. a prisoner, mm-hmm. and the prisoner is constantly like trying to press them on what they think their weakest points yeah. are. Right. It's interesting. It's and a lot human. about uh, uh, sex. That too. Um, I love <laughs> Jamie's reaction when he sees Brienne. He's like, "Is that a woman?" Uh, <laughs> and then I forget. He has another good line, like basically where he's he's bickering about. Uh, Brienne and says I'm consulting the notes oh uh, he says uh, where did you find this beast and then Catelyn is like she is a truer knight than you, are, you will ever be and that's a knight there's, there's some poetic stuff that comes back with that yeah. and I quite like um, it's it's just nice uh, the, the, the show there's another great bit where um, Theon uh, is complaining that the northerners treated him like a eunuch <laughs> it's, uh, right. it's pretty good. Yeah, um, foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. I, I completely forgot about yeah. that. Uh, not to. I don't. I don't want to like spend the whole time. I feel like as we're getting farther along, it's harder to resist pointing out things that are sure. going to be paid off later. Because uh, the farther along they get, the more they know where they're going. Um, and right. especially, I think that'll be true as we get to like post books where they're like, "Well, we're steering the ship now." I mean, just. I mean, even just, like, using the wildfire and, and just, yep. like, mm-hmm. setting that up so early on with this big event. And it's like, don't don't forget. Don't forget that yep. thing could come back. And, and Cersei, Cersei remembers that that's a valuable yep. asset she has. It's a lot there. Um, talking, about, talking about book stuff. Uh, there was something neat. That I wanted to point out, uh, it's not really a complaint or praise about the show. It's just a, a change that I thought was interesting. Um, more of a comment, more of a really. Comment. There's a, uh, at the end of Blackwater, in the show, they kind of allude to this, it seems like, because they have, I think it's supposed to be Loris, and he's got the antler helmet. Um, and he's right. going around, he's fighting on his horse. Uh, the way it's edited is kind of weird, because it jumps straight from that to them walking into the throne room. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea is that, uh, he's basically dressed in Renly's armor and they yeah. don't really nail in on that. But in the book, the act, the idea is actually that Renly is, or because Renly is dead, uh, Loris, and it's actually not Loris, it's, it's Loris's brother, <laughs> Garland Tyrell, who is never going to show up again, huh. uh, and, or never going to show up in the show, I should say. Uh, he is, yeah. I think Loris has a few different brothers that they kind of just like, they're like, what if we took these characters and made them Lords? Uh, yeah. And the idea in the book is that they dress up Loris's brother in Rinley's armor and Stannis's men freak out and think, oh, that's Rinley. It's his ghost. He's come to, to haunt us for the yeah. uh, br- brother side. <laughs> I don't know what the, the word for that is. <laughs> uh, frat- um, fratricide. And so uh, I thought that was interesting because I was watching for that and then realized they didn't really... I mean, they didn't need to adapt that. Uh, but that's yeah, a neat yeah, idea yeah. to have uh, some more, like, characterization to the armies. Probably, I mean, it would have required them 
I think, taking things a little bit differently. Stannis' army does not get, like, a lot of personality outside of Davos and Mathos. Uh, Mathos, yeah. But that was a thing that I noticed. Yeah, because I remember I didn't even catch that until I was reading, like, a breakdown of that episode afterwards. I was like, oh, it was in Renly's armor. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I know that I, I knew Tywin showed up, and then I saw the banners and stuff. Because, like, I didn't really think about it being Loras. And I, so yeah, I never really got that, uh, got that impression. So, what, what did we think of Daenerys's plot line in this? Because, like, I under, I, I feel like in the first couple episodes, and she does, she's really not in it that much yeah. this season. Like, there's not really an episode that centers around her. And I get it. Like, she's all sad because, you know, in the first season she had Momoa. And in this season she has less Moa. And, <laughs> she has know, literally one scene with Moa. <laughs> I thought you were going to say she has literally no Moa. Um, <laughs> she, she has one-tenth of a Moa. I don't know what a dream sequence <laughs> equates to in this, this equation. Uh, but I well, – and, and – and in the books, she uh, she is given visions of like a lot of things that prophesy like the Red Wedding and the Battle of the Five Armies, various or the other five kings. And... Yeah, yeah, all these things. And in the show, she sees Drogo, yeah. which admittedly that narrows it down to more of a character thing yeah. just for her, as opposed to prophesying things for the reader. But um, she sees I, I mean, Drogo, I, and she I also think... sees a, a giant destroyed throne room. Might be relevant, right? Um, right. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, also she sees her. Her son. Yes. Yeah. I think that's sort that's a, even that's even more important. A, what that's what I mean. Been. Like, but she, she they, but, but she, the things she sees are directly about her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think uh, that largely, I think her 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 arc this season is is fine, but it's interesting for Karth to be this great, amazing city. We don't see a whole lot of it. <laughs> well, that's the weird thing because Jora has the line at the very end, like the last scene with them, where he's like, "It's all fake." And I'm like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. I guess it was supposed to be like that Zaro was also a huckster or something. Like, yeah, like, I I get that that the warlock and and Zaro were, they were faking and they were manipulating, but like the other members of the 13 weren't, right? Because then they're, they're still like, we have gold, we have jewels, like, let's rob all this stuff and leave. Are there other people in Karth? Is it all just a, uh, was it all like a warlock spell that was meant to trick them? Like I wonder, it doesn't yeah. make sense. Maybe the implication is that they they take stuff from people who die outside their walls. I don't think they really like connect make that connection. Mm. But that would be the only thing I could think of as far as like what they're trying to go for. I don't know. Well, what happens to all those people at that party? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're all poor. like, are they all fake? <laughs> no, my 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 interpretation of that was that Zaro's treasures were like a uh, uh, bunch of cubic zirconium, you know, sure. like they, his his treasures were were replicas. Yeah, like, I think it it's more about the Karth is fake and the riches. And I think it's more about like, yeah, Zaro's riches were a, a he 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 was rich because he had fooled so many people into thinking he had these amazing treasures mm. and was like I mean, selling to be fair, false wares. To be fair, in literally every scene he's in, he's like, I started with nothing, and now I have everything, and I am the richest man. I'm like, you wouldn't be bringing that up at literally every opportune moment if you weren't hiding something. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I think he had to 
double down on that because he was going to have to go before court and argue whether or not he had a monopoly in cars. Then he was like, <laughs> no, I had humble beginnings. And they were like, that's not the same thing. I mean, you're, you know, your, your Karth is worth like one trillion Essos bucks or whatever they use over there. Um, so that's my trenchant bit of, of sure. humor, Zaro, Zoan, bake sauce. <laughs> but, uh, um, I, I think overall with, I have two thoughts about the car thing. One, I think it is interesting that uh, the final episode of the season, we get the the big uh, cliffhanger with the White Walkers marching towards the fist of the First Men. But the two scenes before that, or the, I should say, the four scenes before that are alternating scenes of John and Daenerys. So we end the season specifically focusing oh. on them, which I thought was neat. Interesting. Um, the other thing about Karth is that I feel like Karth very much is if not saved, at least uh, partially redeemed by the acting of all these wacky figures we have there. Um, yeah. The Warlock's great. Yeah, the Pyat Pri, the <laughs> Spice King, I think, is a lot of fun. He has a, a good uh, is, banter yeah. with Daenerys in these episodes. Uh, Zara Zen- Zendaxos. Davos. <laughs> Um, oh, I get it. Zarozo and Doxos because he doxed a bunch of people and stole their identities. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Correct. George Har Martin. You yeah, no, they're all genius. great. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think they're just a lot of fun. Um, I remembered Kaith or Quaith. I don't know which one it is, but that is the name of the lady who uh, keeps showing up to Jorah oh, okay. and like, go do a thing for Daenerys. Um, gotcha. I still don't know if she returns. I did not actually look this up. I just was like sitting here watching these episodes and was like, "Oh right, that's her name," which I don't think they mentioned <laughs> in the show at all. Um, but she's there, and I don't think they ever yeah. use her again. <laughs> yeah, when she sh- when she shows up, and she yeah, because I I had mentioned her last time because I was very confused about her purpose, and she shows up and she's like, uh, "Daenerys is being fooled. <laughs> Go help her. <laughs> she's in danger." And I'm like, "How do you know that?" <laughs> <laughs> it's all one big scam. Who are you? They're all just a bunch of. Uh, <laughs> I am a Carthian prince, and I need you to wire me <laughs> three dragons. I I wasn't super invested in any of the sure. Carth stuff. I found it mildly entertaining at best. I think the the thing that saved it for me was was the dream sequences mm-hmm. that Daenerys was having at the, at the end. Kind of the the mind trick. That she has to go through in order to kind of figure out what reality yeah. is, because um, yeah, she she enters the throne room and it's very, you know, the foreshadowing of, of what's going to happen, and she she almost basically she's tempted twice. Mm-hmm. The first time she she's like, I'm going to grab the throne because that's what I want most in this world, and she hear her she hears her dragons calling for her, and that's why she abandons that. And then the second one is. Oh, I could just stay with 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 Aquaman forever. Um, <laughs> I, I can't remember what pulls her away. I don't know if it's the dragons again. She or basically, if she kind of, it if something he says kind of snaps snaps her out of it. Well, she she has the realization. Uh, uh, she she quotes the line from the witch from the last season, um, where yeah. it's like, "Oh no no no, you, you're you're not here." So. Yeah, I, I thought that scene was really effective. I don't really know what the warlock's end goal is because he's just like you're gonna stay here forever, Daenerys, and we're gonna be best he friends. Said that, he said that she makes her more, she makes her dragons being reborn makes them more powerful. 
and they're more powerful if they're they're with Daenerys. So basically, they're like trying to create this. I don't know exactly what the mechanics of this magic are, but they're trying to create this big energy uh, resource for them to do their various illusions with. Um, I don't know what their end goal beyond that is, but they're trying to capture her. He, okay. he says they're trying to capture her because they want the power of her, her dragons. Like the dragon's magic enhances theirs and her and her presence enhances the dragon magic. So it's the loop renewable okay, energy. That's, that's kind of vague. That's kind of vague. He does explain that's this. Fine. It doesn't explain what they're going to do with this. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe okay. just make more of themselves. It's, it's, it's like in a mobile game where you have to get like one type of resource to be able to build a thing yes. so that you can mine more resources to be able to get yeah. You could just um, pay uh five hundred SS bucks and skip the, the yeah, dragon building, but that's how they get you. Um I was just looking up Ian White's uh filmography and apparently he was Madame Maxime in Order of the, in a Goblet of Fire. I did see that, hmm. which is... I guess he was, like, the body, and they put Francis Delatour's head over him or something. Right. And uh, Nicholas Blaine, who played the Spice King, was in Order of the Phoenix as Bob. I think I saw so, that, and I was very confused, because I couldn't remember who that was supposed to be. Yeah, I don't know who that character <laughs> is. Good. Um, we know We yeah. know things here. <laughs> he's a, he's a right. Death Eater, right? <laughs> Maybe. I... <laughs> Uh, you were named after the bravest man I ever knew, Bob. <laughs> uh, not yeah, I, I think that this next season is when Daenerys, when all that stuff really gets cooking. Because um, so far it's just kind of been like her her adventures, and they touched a little bit on the unrequited love with her and Jorah, um, which is which is neat, I guess, but. And now I can't tell how much of a Kalasar she has left, because I know Eerie was killed, and Dorea obviously is starving to death. And I, the only Blood Rider left is Kovaro, no. but then at the end when they were ransacking, she had a bunch of them there with her. So, like, I, I don't really know, like, yeah. what her... Oh, don't worry. This this won't be the last time where we're questioning how many people are left in the Kalasar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I know she sent her three blood riders out, and two of them were, well, one of them came back beheaded, and I guess the other was just lost. Britain, it's whatever works for the scene. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. It is great because uh, <laughs> there's a scene earlier that I don't think we mentioned last episode where Jorah um, and Daenerys, I think, have to intervene on a couple of uh, her Kalasar who are trying to like figure out how they can take steal this like gold horse statue or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. And then in this one, Jorah's like, we're taking everything, and all the Kalasar is like, yeah! <laughs> they all run. <laughs> Go to steal things. It's quite good. Um, uh, I love Jorah. How'd y'all feel about uh, what Arya gets up to in these episodes? Um, You know, I kept thinking Arya just have Jack and kill the mountain. Like, I understand that her first thing is like, kill that executioner because I'm mad at him. And the second time, she's like, I'm panicked, I'm being chased, so kill that guy. I don't know what her motivation is for trying to get Jakar to kill himself. If that was just, like, to try to back him into a corner so yeah. he'll kill multiple people. Like, no, I think I think that's okay. exactly no, the that's, idea. Yeah. yeah. Which is okay, gotcha. great because it's like, oh, hey, Arya's storyline is about death a lot. And it's about, like, bargaining with death and people who uh, talk about death. 
saying not today yeah. to death. And so like it's it's fun that they play it. That I can make this into a cheeky thing about season eight and the fact that, oh hey, maybe there's some stuff that comes up there. Um but even in these episodes I like that it's <laughs> consistent that she keeps running into these characters who kind of like force her to to look and and challenge uh what the world is telling her and and kind of what uh she believes is, is possible or not possible. Like it, there's a lot of interactions and the fact that she is like where we get the stuff about Valerie Margulis and what do we say to death yeah. not today there's kind of all the Brafosian stuff it's quite quite cool that mm-hmm. we keep getting that with her uh, I think the best things that Arya does uh, in this season are her scenes with Charles Dance which are some of my favorite mm-hmm. scenes in the whole season maybe the whole series like I love love all the stuff with her and Charles Dance I think it's so good yep I think they're both at just... I mean, I, Charles Dance, like I've said, I'm just crazy about him on this show. But I love all the stuff about, like, who's your father? Stonemason. Stonemason who could read. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> she... And this, like, that weird little affection he gets for her. Yeah. Not weird, but just, like, that, that bit of... And, and he has the thing about, um, how did your father... Like, what, what killed your father? And she says loyalty. And he gives her this look like... All right. Okay. There's something here. And also, I I was going to say the line where he's like, you know, uh, if you're going to pretend to be a lowborn, you should say my lord. And then she pivots and she's like, "Ah, well, my mother taught me someone who could uh, or got me someone who could teach me proper. I mean, properly. And she does a little like, yeah, try to kind of. And he clearly sees through it. But he also is very like, that's that's impressive. (laughs) That was a good. Yeah. A good. Yeah. the, all, and I, I really loved the – this might have actually been in the last batch of five episodes, but the, the scene when she's waiting on uh, Tywin while he's talking to Littlefinger, the editing and the cinematography in that is so brilliant because mm-hmm. there's all of these cuts where sh- she's kind of in shadow or she's like standing with the light all behind her so you can't see her face clearly or like she's on this side of Littlefinger and he turns and then she turns and – pouring the the wine and then being just because she's trying to keep herself from being recognized by Littlefinger like it's so clever I think Alan Taylor directed whatever episode that was mm-hmm. um, but like I, I remember being really impressed by just the way that scene was constructed and I love that to always keep her just out of sight I, I want to say that scene leaves it a little bit ambiguous if Littlefinger figures out who she is um, yeah yeah because they're specifically talking about the Stark girls they're like, oh, where, right. where is she? And, and Littlefinger's like, mm-hmm. like he's yeah. he's given her looks. And uh, uh, this well, is I love a mystery. I love getting. I love puzzles and and word finds and categories. <laughs> I was just hoping he would he would look at at, at uh, Charles Dance and go, "Is this the next step of your master plan?" I was <laughs> I was waiting for it. Ah, alien! I love it. So <laughs> specifically, Alien Three, uh, when Charles Dance. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what he says right before the alien grabs him and destroys his head. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Man, uh, how about all that Tyrion and Shay mm-hmm. stuff? I really like all that because I like how how unwilling he is to believe that she genuinely loves him. Yep. And how, like, she's so frustrated. Like, just believe me. I'm not going to betray you or do anything upsetting later. (laughs) 
the scene where she unwraps his bandages and and mm-hmm. he's like really breaking down that was yeah. superb mm-hmm. yeah also all her there are so many strong okay I was saying, all her stuff with sansa as well i think is built really well oh mm-hmm. those, that's great be very sweet the the moment where where Sansa has her first period and she's freaking out and she's like trying to stab around the cushion so she can yep. you know hide it and and Shay's immediately like she like the everything connects for her and she's like flip yep. it over <laughs> like I yeah. I don't know that that scene was great and then the the handmaiden that works under Cersei sees them and and Shay has to chase her down and holds her at knife point and is like you're not telling anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but then the hound is found. Uh, oh, and the hound, oh, yeah, scene. the hound is there. Yeah. I'm sure that all he did was go in and be like, "The girls had her blood." But I, re- I would have really loved some like awkward thing where he's like really uncomfortable about it, and he's trying to figure out how to tell Cersei. And he's like, "She uh, did so. <laughs> it was um, they kind of uh, well. If you see a lot of bears near the the capital, um, <laughs> it's probably because the oh boy." <laughs> Well, I appreciated how that actually helped to, to set up him offering to take her yep. away. Because it's not just yeah. like you're going to continue yeah. to face the abuse that you've already been taking. It's no, no, no. Now, now Joffrey can. Um, now it's real. Yeah, it'll get worse. Yeah. Yeah, so. I um, I, I yeah, I, I agree. And um, I wanted to go back to the riot yeah. scene and and episode six because i think that's very well handled um i don't know once again i find it really powerful when they are able to use whatever the crowd is feeling mm-hmm. and that they actually use the people on the mm-hmm. ground in king's landing it's not just focused on the rich people or the super powerful people or you know the, the lords and ladies it's it's actually focused on like the peasants and how they're feeling and just like Remember a, a season ago when they were all cheering on Joffrey and they were like, yeah, kill Ned Stark. And it's like how quickly it turns and they're immediately like, no, we don't believe that you're you're the rightful king and you've done all this terrible stuff. And Cersei's ordered all these babies and bastards to be killed across the city. No, we're done with this. No. Let's attack yeah. you. And, and we're, we're hungry because there's a like, war. Yeah, and I yeah. love that that's a consistent thing with the crowd in King's, or crowds in King's Landing is that they're constantly like – Everything is terrible for us. Somebody fix it, and then they get mad at the people who don't fix it. It's like it's a very human response for yeah. for this sort of mob think of uh, people who the, are pushed to their extremes. The argument mm-hmm. between Tyrion and Joffrey in the middle of all that, where Joffrey's like, I want to kill all of them. And, and they're <laughs> like, because they threw something at you? They're starving because of a war you yeah. started. Yeah. Tyrion's... Well, I love uh, this. I don't think we've ever had a vicious idiot king is so good. <laughs> I, I, I love when he, he, once again, he slaps the mess off of Joffrey and he's just like, whoa, I slapped a king now. Has my hand yeah. fallen off? When I love when Sansa is talking to Joffrey before, the, before Blackwater and she's like, you're riding into battle. You'll be in the vanguard. And he's like, um, and she's like, of course, that's silly. Of, of course you will be. Like, you're so brave. Of course you'll be in the vanguard, Joffrey. And he's like, yeah, uh, yeah totally. And when he pulls out his the sword and he says it's called Heart Eater, I was like, that is the most teenage name. <laughs> I love it. And I bet DeviantArt he... DeviantArt called it once a I was sword say, name pack. 
I'm sure he stole that from somebody on like 4chan or whatever. Start a new band. <laughs> We're called Heart Eater. Uh, we do some some goth metal. Uh, and we're trying to get some paying gigs. <laughs> we're singing about real issues. <laughs> and I'm starting my new podcast where people can finally have a real conversation. Our first album's called Valor Margulis. The follow-up is called Valadar Harris, because of the thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he's so hateable. Let's start oh, a band called Mance Raider and the Heart Eaters. I think it'd be pretty good. Mance Raiders on a, on its own is a pretty good band name. <laughs> I, I I did like the nice little touch of Lancel being a coward, but at the same time he's he's trying to have critical yeah. thinking skills. Because yeah. um, right. like he gets he gets hit once and he's hurt, but he can still like clearly like he's on his feet, he can still fight, but he retreats. Yeah. Um and then he goes back to Cersei and she's like, Bring back Joffrey, I don't want him in the middle of all that and he's like, But but the troops don't we want to... And she, like, just pushes him over, and he's just screaming in pain. <laughs> I shouldn't find joy in that, but I hate him, so there you go. Yeah, he's such a... He's such a... Just a... a just a little runt. <laughs> As it seems many of the, the Lannisters are. Do we want to talk any more about, about Rob and Talisa? Well, I, I like that the show... Because in the in the book the same basic thing happens, but it's because you know Rob is grieving and Jane Westerling comforts him and they have sex and then he feels bad about it so he marries her. But in the show, I like that it both makes it more of a like tragic flaw mm-hmm. that he chooses this thing that isn't necessary. But yeah. he but it also makes it more understandable because you're like, yeah, but you guys are in love. And also, Talisa's amazing. Like, she's so great. Why would you not want to marry her? I, I appreciate how every single scene with them is just like, no, we're building up the romance. That's that's yeah. what this scene is focused on. I I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they utilize that screen time very well. And, and the, the final scene between Rob and Catelyn where he's like, I do love her. I'm committing to this. Like, this is my choice. I don't care if I'm yeah. crossing um, Filch. I can't remember his actual name in the show. Walder Frey. <laughs> uh, Walder Frey. Walder Frey. There we go. Um, there are letters. Uh, but I, I do appreciate that he is given that moment where it's like, no, you're, think about the choice that you're making. And he's like, all right, I am making my decision. I like that. When, when the characters just have a chance to stop and actually think instead of just like rushing yeah. into things. And it's a very believable flaw to give this otherwise perfect character. You yeah. know, he's young, he's handsome, everybody likes him. Turns out he's great at war, but he doesn't want to be the king. Like, he's perfect. And his flaw, it's like, it's very Arthurian. Like, mm. his flaw is that he falls in love. But that's not a flaw. It's just that he's, like, so swept up by that that it stops him from thinking about the repercussions of it. And I... I like that that doesn't make it like, oh, Rob, you're so dumb or you're such a jerk. It's, it's not this weird, like, we don't know what, how to make him dimensional, so we'll just choose a bad quality for him to randomly have. It's, it, it, it really makes sense. Yeah. I also love... Also, I, they do Reigns of, they do, uh, Reigns of Castamere in this season. Yes, they do. Season. They do sing. Um, <laughs> Alex, your face says it all. Um, I love... I had completely <laughs> forgotten... I know what that means... Uh, I had completely forgotten about the fact that Catelyn feels like if she doesn't send Jamie away, the Karstarks are going to kill him. Um, 
I'd right. kind of forgotten the yeah. circumstances of that and the fact that it's really she feels like she doesn't have a choice. It, it wasn't just her being like, maybe he can get my daughters back. It was like, if I don't do this now, yeah. he's going to die and my daughters will be dead too. Um, right. So I thought it was quite interesting. I also really love Brienne and Jamie's, uh, how they immediately start playing along with their own, like the story they're making up on the spot with the Northerners. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a really great. good scene. And then he, and when they're like, it's at the same time, what's his name? And she just starts killing them. <laughs> like, oh, what? <laughs> oh, that's good. And I love that Jamie's like, yeah, when he just immediately him. dives into, yeah, for sure. I mean, he, he like immediately dives into the whole, like, uh, I just try to steal a loaf of bread. <laughs> and she's like, you're a thief. And he goes, I stole a loaf of bread. You <laughs> robbed his... a house. Quick, at the same time, say his name. Jean Valjean. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it would have so been yeah. great if they had just like right. said a name and they both just like knew, like just like <laughs> Phil, and then just looked at each other like, uh? <laughs> do we just become best friends? Like, like that bit in a uh, Pitch Perfect two where they're like, which one is Ashley? I am, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned this a little bit, Britain. You're talking about your your favorite episode. I really like the political stuff that we're setting up in episode 10 following Blackwater and the way the Tyrells mm. are now like, oh, they're entrenched in everything going on here. And Sans is yeah. kind of actually free from Joffrey and, and she's momentarily like, oh, this is great. And then Littlefinger's like, actually it's not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's much, much worse. It's kind of better though. Out of the, out of the frying pan into the fingers. Ooh. Is that Littlefinger's first jazz album? <laughs> <laughs> this is called Into the Fingers. It's all about the notes I don't play. <laughs> and then it's just him and Sansa in La La Land. <laughs> Allow me to explain jazz to you. <laughs> when you play the game of jazz. <laughs> um, yeah I, I agree because I had kind of forgotten about like the fact that the Tyrells become like one of the major families yeah. in this story um, obviously we got a couple uh, big ones coming up because like I remembered Marjorie um, but, and, and I love how she plays that when she's talking to Joffrey about like I've loved you from afar your bravery it's taken root deep within me and then she like inhales so her like chest comes up a little bit she's like right. joffrey do you get it <laughs> and he's like huh yeah me too you're totally hot <laughs> you've eaten my heart I love, the, I love the way he handles that because because at the end of the scene after everyone is just like no 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 you don't have to marry sansa maybe don't marry sansa how about not marrying Sansa? maybe that's a good idea king how about that it's like fine i will follow my heart lady marjorie i will marry you like it's all very clearly planned out to everyone except sansa right uh. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff, and I just continue to love Varys. Yep, he's my, great. My my one last thought is that I love when Tyrion wakes up and 
yeah, the first thing he sees is Maester Pycelle, like, <laughs> up and about, yeah. and, he's, and he's doing well, and he's just like, Pod, go find Bronn and tell him I'm alive! <laughs> Pycelle just being completely smarmy and uh, lording over yeah. the fact that Tyrion is no longer the Hand is great. I also love right. that he, he his beard, I forget what, I think maybe Bronn cuts his beard at some point when they're dragging him out of... Uh, yeah or yep. to the dungeons or whatever and then uh, later we, when he pops back up again his beard is like trimmed way shorter because like he's he's fixed mm-hmm, it up mm-hmm. it's just funny to like every time you see him and and, and, I like and, and just the the setup and payoff where he, he gives him the, the yes. coin yeah and he's like for your trouble that was great yeah i like that a lot Yeah, I thought it, I don't know. I thought there are five good episodes of TV. Like each one, I I, I genuinely enjoy. Mm-hmm. I'm trying well, to think if there's anything like major that we haven't covered. Um, Stannis is mean. Yeah. And I know they didn't confirm that Davos is alive, but Davos is alive because right. he's great. It would have been no. They don't confirm I would, that. The last thing we see is him getting blown off. Yeah, off I would the have. Boat. I would have been upset to watch right. this. Uh been like where's where's davos is he okay and have to wait <laughs> yeah i mean i know there's books but <laughs> who reads those sure. anymore <laughs> yeah because he's just so good and i'm look i'm looking forward to like getting to see him and stannis do a lot more because i think those are interesting characters and i like liam cunningham so and i like that like they the, during the blackwater they do all this stuff about like the king should be mm-hmm. out there inspiring his men and you should be fighting and joffrey's you know not and Stannis is literally in front yes. of the soldiers, <laughs> yeah. running with and with no helmet. Has to be dragged <laughs> away like, when they realize they lost the battle. <clears throat> He's the first one up the yeah. ladder. Like he is literally leading his men, which is marvelous. No. Not like I, no, it sounds like a favorite character, but I, I like that juxtaposition that they did. Yeah. yeah, on that front at least, he is actually principled. Yes. yes. Oh, Stanny. And Melisandre just making shadow babies. So what are we doing for great? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go A-, minus, same as I did the last season. Um, I feel like no, the last season was probably more consistent and set everything up really well. But this one, the, the stuff that is satisfying is so good that I... Uh, I think like I would say that season one is probably over 10 episodes has more is better sustained, but just these last Mm -hmm. five episodes are all so strong. Like, and again, I mean, I liked the whole season, but yeah, I'd say I feel about the same as I do about the first one. Roughly. Tyler, I'm going to say B plus. I I think the highs of this season are uh, higher than the first season. And I think the lows are lower. Yeah, I think the overall just the way it averages out doesn't quite work out for me. Um, I'll give it I'll give it one half step below. Yeah, I think I'm uh, agreeing with Tyler. I'm going to go B plus. Um, yeah, it's really just I- I'm thinking about it broadly in terms of just like a season of television, um, and just the first one was a lot more consistent. Yeah. This one first half kind of low. Then, then it got better. Yeah. Yeah, of course, this is an excellent season of sure. television. Um, I feel like I always have to to put that little caveat on there where it's like, 
oh, this thing that's so beloved and everyone just thinks it's the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, B+. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's still a good grade. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I'm excited for season three. Definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really stoked. So, if you have an IMDb account, you can rate Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, but you can also watch <laughs> movies on it. They have, like, IMDb streaming movies and stuff, and you can do that through Amazon. Um, and one of the movies that you can stream is the first of my two recommendations. Mm-hmm. What? Um, I'm, I'm doing two because this first one is very germane to this uh, batch of episodes. I'm going um, yeah, to recommend a movie called Dog Soldiers. Okay. This is the first feature uh, by Neil Marshall. Uh-huh. Um, it was, he had done like short films and he was an editor, but this is the first like feature that he did. And, uh, it stars Sean Pertwee and Kevin McKidd (laughs) and Liam Cunningham. And, uh, that's right. Davos Seaworth. Although in this movie, he should really be called Davos Seawolf because he's seeing a lot of wolves in this movie. Werewolves, that is. Um, it's a werewolf movie (laughs) about a group of soldiers, uh, who go on... It's like routine training exercise out in the Scottish Highlands, and the, guess what? There's werewolves. <laughs> let the uh, record show that Britain just received the rare double face palm um, from Alex and I. So, <laughs> it's good. Yes, I, I wasn't yep, even I'm looking when I insane. did mine, so it was completely no, independent. Cr- yes. I wasn't signaled I by and by, I was like, oh. by Tyler's mm-hmm. physical mm-hmm. cue, like nothing. Yep, I'm I'm double hand of the king, and. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's a really cool movie. It's it's it it was a, I guess a first feature, and I think it cost like only two point three million. Mm. Um, and in two thousand and two, so I guess adjust for inflation. Yeah. But like for a cheap first, like low like a low budget first feature, it's really impressive. Like they do a lot with a little, and it's very tongue in cheek. So like some of the stuff I think works a lot better than it might in other movies. Um, all the performances are great. Sean Pertwee's really good. Um, I really liked it. Just like this nice lean little werewolf movie. With some some pretty bloody stuff. No one's head gets half cut off, but still. Uh, but the other one, the one I really want to impress, I watched a few nights ago. Um, I'm I go completely in the other direction. I'm going to recommend the 1971 film adaptation of Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, this is one of the classic musicals. I would say probably one of the greatest musicals, just taking into account all the various things, culture and merit and longevity and everything. Um it is a really beautiful movie directed by Norman Jewison, uh, adapted, of course, from the Bach and Harnick musical, and it is uh, wonderful. It's about life in this uh, Jewish village in post pre-revolutionary Russia, and it mostly follows Tevya, the patriarch of this family, as his daughters are getting married and just life and, and about the, the changing time. And I think it's a movie that well, it's a musical that, and a, the movie does this really well, is very much about the beauty of tradition and how tradition is something that protects us and preserves us, but also is due for an upgrade and an update at times. And it's there's a scene in the movie where these two members of the younger generation are talking to Tevia about how times are changing. And it's a it's a very, very different kind of thing, but I found it really, really moving because I thought, you know, as I'm watching this, like, in 2020, and as we're recording this, like, there are probably a lot of people 
who are having and who have recently had to have conversations with members of the older generation about the idea of times changing and what that means and how it's not an ind individual rejection of people. It's about the progress of the world. And I think the movie handles that scene really beautifully. And I was just really, really touched by it. Just the whole, the, the music is fantastic. Uh, it's shot really, it's a beautiful looking movie. Um, and it, the performances are all great. Tevya is played by Topol, who we discussed in, I believe, For Your Eyes Only, Alex. Is that yes. the Bond movie he's in? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's phenomenal in this. Like, at first I was a little hesitant, but he's super, super good in this movie. Um, so yeah, I could talk on and on about it, but the movie's three hours long, so you'll have enough Fiddler on the Roof <laughs> without me talking. Um, but yeah, I just, I really, I, I'm a well-documented on this podcast snob about musicals, but this one just made me really happy. So through IMDb, you can watch Dog Soldiers and on Netflix or any other way you can find watch Fiddler on the Roof. Do you guys see anything cool lately? Or read or watch or play anything cool? <laughs> I recommend a goofy movie. <laughs> I don't know. I like my movies regular style. Powerline. <laughs> Concert. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Highly recommend. I recommend Back <laughs> to the Future. <laughs> Good movie. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Good for us. I'll, I'll try to. <laughs> I love Britain. I love how you're like, yeah, Fiddler on the Roof. It's about like tradition, but also trying to move on and accept change and how you adapt. And Tyler and I are just like, we watch things that we've watched before. <laughs> oh, to be clear, which is a form of tradition. To be clear, I have not watched Back to the Future recently. I just, I'm recommending oh, okay. it as a movie that is good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll watch it. I'll All find right. something weird to watch before the next, uh, no, no, come the on. The next one. And, and, and I have, I'll try and do a deep cut. There you go. Are you still playing Last of Us? Oh, you finished did that, finish didn't you? It. You know what? Yeah. It was alright. It's pretty good. I liked it. <laughs> it's more of the first. <laughs> Maybe a little long. Nice. Yeah, I gotta get on that one. Gotta get on that one. Where can they find us, Tyler, if they want to find they us? They can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. Also on Twitter at HCTSequels. You can find us through iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. You can also email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. You have no excuses. That's so many options. <laughs> it's literally point, all the options. It, it takes more work to not reach Correct. out. Correct. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, we are going to be starting season three next week. That's very exciting. I'm very exciting. I'm excited. And I'm also Britain. <laughs> I'm Alex. I'm Tyler. You're having a pretty good night. <laughs>